Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the third sermon in our church's Your Path to Purpose series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Thank you, worship team. Y'all are doing a phenomenal job, tech team. Shout out to our hospitality team for making the coffee and the donuts. You see them squeezing those donuts? No, we buy a few, but those are good. Thank y'all for all that you do. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my honor and privilege to serve God and to be a pastor and to pastor at Leeds First Methodist Church. This month, in the month of August, we're uh, journeying on a series I've entitled Your Path to Purpose. And it's really driven by, hey, if we get where we want to go or need to go, we need to know where that is and then have a path or map to that. And so our church, to be clear, exists to create paths for more people to know and grow like Jesus. And those paths are worshiping, growing, serving, and reaching. And so each week we're exploring a different one of those, guided by our series key verse from Ephesians 4.13. This is where we're going. It says, this will continue until we all come to such unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That says it's normal for you to get more and more like Christ when you follow him. And so that's what we're about as the church. And last week we talked about the path of growing and opened the on-ramp to our grow groups today. Your path to purpose, serve. Your path to purpose, serve. Well, this is a little bit of a personal question. Anybody ever been fired or laid off? Anybody want to admit to it? Right? I got my hand up. Anybody? Those are tough. Well, here's my... In high school, I worked at the local steakhouse. Do y'all remember what steakhouses were? I'm like almost 50, and so they're not around anymore. A Western Sizzlin. Y'all remember those? You shout out for Western Sizzlin. Woo, they smell good. Anyway, I worked there and did pretty much everything. They even had me waiting tables. I cooked mostly and even washed dishes. And it was in the summer between my senior year of high school and going off to college. And I had a light schedule one day, and it was till 8 o'clock in the evening. And so I was like, shoot, 8 o'clock, I get up, I can make plans, and I don't remember what they were, but I can make plans and do something after that. That's not too late in restaurant hours. And so I made plans. Well, I was working that night, and the, the shift supervisor has to release you at the end of each shift, like you've done enough, or you've done the stuff to take down or put up or whatever. And so they have to release you. Well, get close to 8 o'clock, and I started like, looking for the shift supervisor, and he was like, wouldn't make eye contact with me. And there's a condition, they have to, like, approve you to leave before you can clock out. And so he was kind of, like, hiding from me because, as was typical, we didn't have enough people working, right? So he's like, I I don't let you go. You got to work till, you know, whatever. And so eight 
came and passed, 8.30, came and passed, and I'm like, you know, trying to get his attention, and he's like ignoring me. 9 o'clock came and passed, 9.30. By 10 o'clock, I said, you know what, I'm going to go talk to him. And so I found him and said, hey, it's 10 o'clock, I'm supposed to get off at 8, can I go? And he said, let me get his words exactly right, if you leave, you're fired. I was like, here I have worked two extra hours, you just go, and, and I was like, I got plans, I'm supposed to, I'm, you know, I said, I ain't, you know, but I should get to go, and I said, I gotta go. Well, I went in the next day, thinking, I worked two hours extra over, you know, for you, and I said, well, you can't work here anymore, you're fired, he was serious. I was like, wow, that's one way to run a place, right? Well, it didn't feel good. I thought I was doing extra, and they didn't think I did enough, right? This missed expectation, and we parted ways. Well, they've since closed, reopened, moved, you know, I mean, so we're not, I'm not against them. I'd eat at one if there's one here today. But having an understanding of expectation is essential for success in business. Get fired if you don't meet the expectation. Success in a relationship, and even having a good understanding of expectations of God and God's expectations of you. And so, part of this series is to kind of clarify that. Here's what it means to follow Jesus and to do that. We're going to look at a passage from the book of Romans. So, start opening that up or turning that on if you've got it in your Bible or your Bible app. Romans chapter 11, and we're going to look at a story that talks about, or a, a teaching that talks about, kind of mis-expectations. Romans was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Rome about 25 years after Jesus' resurrection. The Jewish people, who some of them were Christians, some of them weren't, but they were forebearers of God's work to bring humanity back into God's righteousness. They understood what God's intent was, even understood the prophecy of Messiah or God's anointed or promised one, and that he would be, Messiah would be their ultimate savior. But in the midst of the life of Jesus, the perfect life of Jesus, where he healed people, he taught, did all the things that fulfilled the prophecy of Messiah, some of the Jewish people missed Jesus. Some even cried, crucify him, right? They misunderstood what God wanted of them, misunderstood God's promise or prophecy, and they, Jesus didn't meet their expectations. And they missed the expectations Jesus had of them. They were different. And even after his death and his resurrection, where he defeated sin and death, rose from that and ascended to heaven, a few believed, but many others still did not believe him or follow him. And so Paul writes in Romans with those who were raised in the Jewish faith in mind, those who had not yet decided to follow Jesus in mind, and to address their predicament, it was obvious to him, but maybe not so obvious to them, that they were missing out on God's kingdom because they were like, nope, 
We're going to have it our way or no way. In fact, so much so that God had refocused through apostles like Paul to expand his kingdom into the Gentiles. That word you'll hear just means others than Jews, the Greeks, the Romans, etc. And so they were, the Gentiles, picking up their place of the Jews. They were living into God's kingdom, living into his work, as God continued to bring his kingdom to earth through people, even after Jesus ascended to heaven. So let's look now at Romans chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip down towards the end in just a minute. So Romans chapter 11, verse 1, out of the New Living Translation or NLT, if you want to follow along word for word. Romans 11.1, 1, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself, Paul says, am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Now skip way down if you're in a Bible. Verse 29, for God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Now they are the rebels. God's mercy has come to you, so they too will share in God's mercy. Verse 32, for God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience, so he could have mercy on everyone. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Well, this passage speaks to the general call that Paul has laid out in this uh, book of Romans to everyone to be restored to God's righteousness through Jesus. Earlier in Romans, if you look up Make notes of these. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. means we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The Romans 6.23 says that we face the consequences of that sin. It's death. Eternal separation from God. But as we looked at last week in Romans 10, it says, For All who call on the name of the Lord or Jesus will be saved. And so you can be saved from the consequences of sin by believing in Jesus, in his perfect life, and his guiltless death, and making him both Savior and Lord of your life. And so that's good news. And so it's a call to that, but it's also a call to attach yourself as a follower of Jesus to the kingdom work of God in this age. If you look back into the Gospel of John, in chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples, that core group of people that he's brought along with this kingdom work, and he's foreshadowing what's going to happen when he gets arrested and and executed and ascends to heaven. They're going to be left with it, right? It's sort of like a last will and testament. Anybody know what I mean? Like where you write down and say, I'm going to leave this to my son, this to my daughter, and I want them to carry on the family business. Jesus is sort of unfolding that and saying, hey, you don't realize it yet, but this is coming. I want you to carry it on. Don't let it end when I ascend to heaven. In fact, he says these words in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. 
and even greater works because I am going to the Father. And so that's God's plan in this age is for everyone who puts their faith in Jesus to be saved, the God to do all the work of saving you. You don't do any of the work. You receive that salvation. But once you've received that salvation is to follow Jesus and to live like Jesus lived. The Spirit of God will empower everyone who follows Jesus for the work in this age. And those he saves will serve his kingdom by sharing that with others. And oh, what joyous work it is. It's a joy for me. I don't know if you get joy of coming to church, but it's a joy to see people worshiping Jesus. It's a joy to see kids getting baptized and saved and having their lives transformed. It's a joy to have a place where families are coming to church together, raising up and transforming their families, their communities. God, before us, the world. And so we all, you all, get to be a part of that work. Let's look at some of the why and how that we are to serve. You put your faith in Jesus. Got your worship bulletin, I invite you to take it out, or if you texted here to click on that second link and open up the worship guide. Follow along with these points. They may be helpful. Place for you to take notes in there as you seek to apply it to your life. Number one. Serve from the mercy God gave you. Serve from the mercy God gave you. Verse 30 says, Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. If you read through the Old Testament, I invite you to read through it. Some of it's hard to read through, but it's interesting stories. And so many of those recount the rise and fall of faith of the Israelites with the Jewish people. And they're like, we're all in God. No, we're not. We're all in God. No, we're not. <laughs> right? And the, man, some of the stories are very dramatic. What consequences they face. And ultimately, God is like, are you in or are you out? Right? And he lets them even be uh, captured, taken to captivity in Babylon. And ultimately, he's like, you know what, I'm going to give you my son. And then even then, many of them rejected Jesus. A couple of Sundays ago, I started this series with a spiritual survey to give you a chance to say, hey, I am a Christian, or I got questions, or I need more time, or no, I'm not a Christian. I just come because my mama or my wife or my dad or somebody brings me, right? And that's okay. This is a place for you to explore your faith and decide if you want to put your faith or trust in Jesus. But for those who have put your faith in Jesus, who said, I profess Jesus, I am saved, you have received the mercy of God. We sang about that. My sins were many, but his mercy is more, right? And so you've received that mercy, and so you serve in response to that. But you're going to be tempted to serve from other things, right? Like pride. God, you're so glad to have me. Boy, have you heard how good I can sing? That church would be happy to have me sing. Or whatever, right? 
And so sometimes we can serve from pride, or sometimes we're like, I'm going to take this thing over. There's a passage in the Old Testament talking about how the Israelites did that with God. It's the closing verse in the book of Judges, and it just says, in those days, Israel had no king, and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. They did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. And sometimes, let me say, 100% of the time, we are tempted to that. God, I don't want to do it your way. God, I don't want to do it the church's way. God, I want to do it my way. The Tyndall Application Study Bible states about that verse. It says, during the time of the judges, the people of Israel experienced trouble because everyone became his own authority and acted in his own opinions of right and wrong. This produced horrendous results. It goes on to say, our world is similar. Individuals, groups, and societies, and I'll add, sometimes churches, and made themselves the final authority without reference to God, right? Well, I'm just going to do it my way. When we do that, the results are horrendous, and that's in our lives and in our church. And so God has a order, a structure, and he invites us to be a part of that. When we follow Jesus, he says, come on. We don't try to wreck it just because you can't do it your way. So serve from the mercy God gave you. Number two, serve out of love for others. Serve out of love for others. Verse 31 reads, Now they are rebels, and God's mercy has come to you so that, it's come to you so that you too, or they too, may share in God's mercy. In other words, those who were flittered away, God's work in them. God's saying, I'm coming to you now. So you go back to them, right? To love them. You're not getting it instead of them. You're getting that because of them and to bring them back in. You may have misunderstandings about God's mercy. It can be easy to think, hey, I'm in this thing for me, right? Kind of to, to turn Jesus into a kind of genie in the bottle and sacrilegiously say, hey, God, I'm going to rub the spiritual genie in the bottle and give me my three wishes today, right? It's tempting to do that, but God saved you to serve his mission with others. Don't miss the second half of the gospel or sanctification, which is you becoming more and more like Christ. If you're going to be like Christ, you got to love others like Christ. If you're going to love others like Christ, you got to serve others. This week, I attended the first or convening gathering or conference of the Global Methodist Church's North Alabama Conference. It's good. <laughs> it's good. I've been a, a preacher. I left work in the world and being a preacher for a decade or something. So a decade of conferences, the first one, my heart was like, whoa, it's good. Right, inspiring, worshipful, encouraging. So if you have opportunity, no, make plans and go with us next year. But in the course of that 
there was a guy, Terry, let's say how you say Terry's last name, Terry Tickle. Anybody know Terry? He's been in Methodist circles. He's a authority, pastor and authority on prayer. And Terry's written books about prayer. He's like, one of his is praying in Jesus' name for 21 centuries. People have been praying in Jesus' name for 21 centuries. He got a chronicles of that. Another one, making room to pray. Setting up a prayer room. Some of y'all may have seen the movie War Room where they prayed intensely. Setting that up and he's got a book on that. Well, Terry talked about what it means to follow Jesus. And in that, he used this illustration of a a slingshot. Y'all know these? I don't guess this is officially a slingshot. It's more like a flip. Slingshot was like a little bit different. But anyway, we call it slingshot or flip. And these are like rubber bands. And there's string. And you put a little something in there. And you can flip it. I learned as a kid, they'll break glass. <laughs> right? So watch out where you aim them. Pretty strong. And, and he, Terry gave this illustration of... Uh, our lives, when we follow Jesus, is to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will fling us into the world where we're like, ah! you know, not sure where we are going and not sure if it's where we wanted to go even. But God's Spirit's gotten us into sometimes places that are where he needs us to be, Right? Like to be light in the darkness. And he says, sometimes we mess up and pray for things like, oh God, protect me, keep me from harm. And we're praying against God's Spirit because the Spirit is saying, I want to use you in a place where people are being harmed to make a difference. Right? And so sometimes you might pray something like, God, use me and fling me wherever you need me. And he made a joke and said, wouldn't it be nice to put on, be able to put on your tombstone? He was flung by God. Right? Well, that's pretty good, as long as it's not flung straight there into the grave, right? But it flung by God. And wherever you got flung by God, you served, and you made an impact with the light of Christ. And so, I thought we'd illustrate this a little bit. Like, it's pretty easy to see. Oh, it can fling something light. Right? There's a paper clip. Boom. We'll get that later. Y'all remind me to get that later. And we think, oh, we can do something little. And you think, oh, I can trust God with the little stuff in my life, right? Like, I'll give God the whether or not to, you know, go to Destin or Orange Beach for vacation. You know, like, which one does God want me to be? You know? And you're like, oh, anyway. And I trust God with a little. But the big stuff, I'm going to keep on. Like how I money in my house, whether or not I tithe or not, whether or not I get up and go to church or sleep in. You know, I'm going to make those decisions. I'm not sure I can trust God. And so I thought it'd be good. It's like, is a flip strong enough to take care of flipping something big in our life? And so I thought, well, we'll this flip a golf ball. Right? So let's see. Oops. I got another one. Hold on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know. Can you trust God to flip the big things in your life? Ha, ha, ha. That's my fun for the day. 
If you didn't know, that second one was a practice ball. They're a little soft. See? Do one. Uh, I can't be in charge of it, but God can. How's that? But what if you said, Jesus, I'm going to fling you, I'm going to let you fling me where you need me. Right? To make an impact in loving others. Because that's at the heart of serving, especially through the church, is that what God would do, He would do through people. But if you're afraid of being flung, anybody ever been afraid of being flung? I've been afraid. Right? Afraid of getting hit by golf balls the preacher slings out into the service? I've been afraid. Today, your best decision could be to say, God, I'm going to get off the bench and get into the game and fling me where you want me. To say to God, God, I'm going to put my yes on the table and let you put it on the map. Fling me wherever you want. Because it's the very light of Christ that He's given you that He wants to use to transform the darkness of the world. Will you be flung? Serve out of love for others. Y'all watch out, there's golf balls everywhere. Number three, serve so others can also serve. Serve so that others can also serve. Verse 32 says, For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. It's God's goal for everyone to receive his mercy. So the ministry of the church is not for one to do or even for us to get good at adding a few to do, but to create a ministry of multiplication that is for everyone to be saved and be transformed at the annual conference on Friday night had the ordination service. Ordination means where people are called by God to be set apart for specific kind of leadership and ministry, primarily elders or deacons. In the global Methodist church, well just as a number, we had 70 Deacons or elders are both combined in that service. Seventy, that's a lot of people. And it was saying, I'm going to follow God into full-time or vocational ministry. The Global Methodist Church confirms that elders are called to preach, administer sacraments, and order the life of the church. So, like, I'm an elder. That's a, another name for pastor or maybe a lead pastor. Elders are to preach minister the sacraments in order of the life of the church. And the scriptural basis for that comes from Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. They're the verses just preceding our key verses series. They read, hear this. Now these are the gift Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work of the church. 
right? So if you, and we've all probably done this at one time or another, maybe we thought, hey, that's what we pay the staff to do, right? We pay them to do the ministry. That's a misguided expectation. If you come to church, that the, the pastor or the staff will do all the ministry. That's not God's expectation. But I have seen where some pastors or staff have taught that. It's like, we're the only ones that are good enough to do it, right? And so that's misguided as well. This verse and the order of the global Methodist church and our church is that God has equipped the church with these leaders to equip the members for ministry. And so we order life of it, equip members for ministry, and then we do ministry. So let's look at what that looks like here at Leeds First Methodist Church. Our mission, our, our purpose is to know and grow like Jesus. And y'all seen this kind of map or disciple-making map. I think it's on the next slide where we talk about coming to church, being a part of worship, and being a part of a grow group, and being serving on a team, and then reaching out. And that's a, a, a model for making new disciples, for new people come in and are part of that. And so today, we want to look at this path of serving, on-ramp to serve, which was the third block on that map. A couple of things for you to know one is that you, if you serve, it's on the next slide, you're in one of 50 teams and time options. So you're serving as part of God's abundance, not of scarcity, right? Now, that's not 50 separate teams, like some of them serve at 845, some at 11, and so forth. So 50 different teams and times for you to serve in. So there's a place for you to serve, and you're serving with a bunch of other people that are having a huge impact on the lives of our church and our community. Because it's not just for us we serve, it's for those that are not here yet, that they might know Jesus, right, receive his mercy, and then be a part of it as well. So let's look at a few examples of serving at least First Methodist Church. The landscape team. Anybody want to lay in dandelions? That's what the landscape team does. Well, they do that for a second and then they come and they mow them down or trim them back. Well, the landscape team is part of a, <coughs> excuse me, a movement. It's, it's like a, a welcome team or a first impressions team. So if somebody's coming to our church anew, and they're like, I wonder if I could trust that church to tell me the truth and to hide my soul and point me in eternity, and our weeds and our flower beds are up to here, right? Or they come and they come in and they're like, oh my goodness, look at that beautiful flower bed. It's got all the mulch, got the flowers coming up, the grass is edged and trimmed and all this stuff. It's beautiful. It's a welcoming place and it doesn't look like we don't know what we're doing, right? And so being a part of the landscape is part of a first impression team for those that come new and for everyone that comes as an encouragement to say, hey, this is a place that God's honored with our excellence. So check out the landscape team on the on-ramp guide. The next one. Let's see, the next one is youth helpers. Anybody ever been a teenager or had teenagers? A few of y'all, not everybody. All right, well, we'll talk about the logic of that in a minute. But you know it's hard. 
I think it's harder now than ever. And I don't mean to diminish our middle and high school students, but oh my, wouldn't God do something tremendous if everybody would pour into our youth and kids so that when they're going off to school or going off to the sports field, they're carrying with them the encouragement of 150 others, right? Now, we don't all have to be part of that, but a few that would be part of helping teach foundations of faith, encourage, build relationships, support, go to games, do whatever, be a part of our youth ministry. Check out youth leadership. There's a couple of ways, a couple of times that you can help in that. Next slide. Toolbox team. Boom. Anybody remember Tim the Toolman Tabor? Taylor? So if you are naturally or you already got a drill belt, if you had to take it off before you came in the church today. <laughs> anyway, that's the, it's, so it's helping. We've got three buildings. I don't know how many square feet, but occasionally a light bulb goes out. Almost every day, right? Occasionally a roof leaks. Occasionally, like, anyway, you get my point. The toolbox team is part of helping that both be a first impression for folks that come new to maintain our facilities whenever the air conditioned vents need or changing, all that kind of stuff. Occasionally we paint. See painting on there? So if you can do it, there's different ways you can serve there. Toolbox team. Next one. Kids, elementary worship. There's some kids there. Y'all pick out yours in that. I think that's a picture from our sports camp, but I think those are mostly our kids or some of our kids. Anyway, elementary kids, kids check in for this service at 11 o'clock, and they're in a service that's designed for them for their attention span, for their vocabulary, that they can both be taught about God and begin to worship Him. And so that sometimes you hear the boom, boom, or the screams that's coming from behind you. That's our kids' elementary worship. I think, I don't know how many exactly, 30 or 40 kids are in that ministry between both services. And so be a part of that. There's a rotation. You can do it uh, twice a month or weekly, um, different times be a part of elementary. You can teach or you can just help, right? If you want to learn and apply that and teach it to kids or if you want to just show up and help and like play games. Anyway, next one, kids, infant through pre-K. If you like to hold, oh, right? So when we have infants, that's the place for you. Sometimes they crawl around. I think we got them fenced in so they don't crawl too far so you don't have to chase them. Play games, but it's more than just holding them or playing games. Each month, the kids are learning songs and learning the Bible to where some of them, especially our third or three and four-year-olds, come out and they have memorized a Bible verse at the end of the month. And so it's part of teaching them the love and the path to Christ. Next one I think I've got on there is hospitality. Um, you see on there the donuts. I love donuts. Coffee. That's in my office. All I need today is a little coffee and a lot of Jesus. Some of y'all feel that on Sunday morning. Well, that's what we're doing, right? Coffee helps you feel welcome and warm when you come in. Donut does all that as well, but a handshake. The primary purpose of our hospitality team is to help folks to connect. So if you come in new, you know where's the bathrooms, where's the kids drop off, where's the coffee 
where I sit? Can I sit anywhere? Is that somebody? No, we don't have a sign seat. You sit anywhere. Help folks connect to the next step. Even some of that is to follow up with folks during the course of a week. If they come for the first time, answer questions, welcome, come back, hospitality, check that out. Those are just some of our serve teams in the church. Like I said, one of 50 times in teams that you can be a part of. Even on the electronic guide, there's for you to say, hey, you forgot about this one. I'm on this one or whatever. I think our text in number. Serve to 205-772-4906. Text that now. I'd love everybody to text that now. If you're a Christian part of this church, I'd love for you to worship, grow, and serve. Text that number, the word serve. It's going to send you a link to the online guide that includes our worship times, our grow groups. If you didn't do that last week, it's on there. And then the serve teams, all those different ways you can be a part of it. Um, you're signing up for, let's call it a semester, a term, a season. It runs from September to January. And we'll have another one in January for February through August. And the thought is that sometimes life changes. You can serve on something on Tuesday this, year, this fall, but in the spring you've got kids playing and you can't do it, so you're going to serve on Sunday. So it's just to that. Also, you might try something now, and after six months you're like, that wasn't me. So you're like, I got flung in the wrong thing, <laughs> and I need to change, so it's a chance for us to change. And it's also, hear this, hear this, you say, I've been doing this forever, I don't need to sign up. I'd love it for you to sign up, because it honors you by saying, you get a choice to say yes again. I want to serve in that place again. And I've heard stories in churches where they got put on this team or committee, and the only way to get off was to die or quit the church. And so that's not the case or the church I want to lead. And so you get a choice. I'd love it. Everybody say, here's where I'm going to serve again. Here's where I'm going to grow again. Or if you need to move, pick another one. And it's especially if you're new or haven't been on a worship, or excuse me, on a grow group or a serve team, to get off the bench and get in the game. Let God fling you into his plan for you that you can make an impact. Ideally, in this church, we would all, Worship an hour, grow an hour, and serve an hour a week at least. You don't have to be here every time the church doors are open. If you're retired or got lots of time, you can do more. But if you never come to church, if you never grow, you never serve, I can guarantee you, you're going to miss God's purpose for your life. And so when I say worship, grow, serve, and reach, it's because I want God's purpose to be fulfilled in your life. And when you're not doing those things, you're going to miss. If you don't like them here, I hope you find a better church to do them in, but get somewhere where you're worshiping, growing, serving, reaching on a regular basis, where you're living in the purpose God has created you. Let me pray for you before we worship through communion. God, thank you so much for this blessing. For me not tripping on that golf ball. For the blessing of Jesus and for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom work here. Lee's First Methodist Church. God, I thank you for those that have served so much for so long. God, I pray that you encourage and equip them to continue or to find a new step on their path. God, for those that are new here at the church or or just kind of been on the sidelines, God, to hear the invitation to be a part of the game or the transformation for their life and the lives of those that will impact with your life. 
God, let us be light into the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.